Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR. We have got a lot to talk about that's going on in Big Ten basketball. A huge slate of games this weekend. Not really a ton of upsets or anything like that, but, you know, good games that we will be discussing. We have the return of Terrence Shannon Jr. We have Illinois picking up a big win uh, over Rutgers. And when I say big, I mean they won big in that one. Purdue went on the road. And, of course, we'll talk about Michigan State and their game against Maryland. That's actually Actually, where we'll start, but before we get into that, I do want to introduce our guest. We have Kent back with us again from Casual Big Ten. Kent, um, you know, uh, flopping. Where, where do you stand on the matter? <laughs> I'm against it. You know, yeah. I just uh, I'm not a big fan of flopping. So um, if I see it, I'm going to call it out. Flopping. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, women's basketball flopping. You really don't like, right? I'm really against that. Like when the men do it, I'm okay with it. But when women do it, I have to take a stand. It's like that's enough. We can't have, um, I'm all about equal rights until it comes to them trying to do flops. And I'm just like, mm, that, well, I got to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> uh, we have Blake here saying boiler up. Yes, Blake. We will talk about your boilers. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, can't watch you tell people about yourself, where they can find you and where they can find your viral tweet that's going on right now. Yeah, it's Kent Peterson. I'm at casual big 10 on Twitter. Uh, that's where I do most of my damage. I'm doing my shows. Uh, I have decided, we talked about this, JR, every Monday and Thursday I record a show. They come out on the same day. So uh, that's when I do my podcasts on YouTube. Any podcast listening app that you uh, choose to use is where you can find me talking about basketball, usually all by myself. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Kent. Appreciate that. And then we have Anthony, the real shardy with us. Anthony, I don't think you have any tweets going viral right now, but how are you doing? No, my last tweet to go viral was my Stephen Izzo edit where I um, I put go. Titanic music over his lone, lone MSU points in, in, um, in a regular season game, which that one popped off pretty well. I got a couple of the team members to, who retweeted it, so I'm almost certain that they showed that to Steven. At least that's my hope that he saw yeah. that. <laughs> uh, now that would have been last, that would have been a week ago today on Sunday. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Uh, tell me where they can find you at. Yeah, you can find me at the real shardy on Twitter. Um, that's where I do all of my trolling, all of my very poor photo edits and a little bit of stats digging. Um, I do more of my I do more of my serious work on SpartanShadows.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Spartan underscore Shadows. We cover pretty much all all MSU sports, um, anything major going on in the uh, in the MSU world. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. If you are listening on podcast, please do subscribe there. Leave us a rating or review. We'd love to know what you think about the podcast. Uh, if you have bad things to say, just go ahead and email me. Um, <laughs> the Big Ten Huddle or uh, JR's rankings at gmail.com. And go on over there, let us know. And if you are uh, interested in more Big Ten content, head on over to Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. They are the sponsor of this podcast. We have a podcast for every Big Ten team over there. So BigBanterSports.com, head on over there. All right, guys, let's get to this first. 
Michigan State wins a close one against Maryland. Thankfully, Jameer Young fumbles the ball at the end of the game. I didn't think Jameer Young was going to be able to do anything with five seconds left, but he fumbles the ball, and Michigan State gets the win. Tyson Walker has a very good game. Just overall, uh, Michigan State kind of some some you know questionable stuff here and there, but they got the win, and uh, Maryland is looking like a much more formidable opponent, and they were kind of in the same range with uh, the record and everything like that. For Michigan State, so for Michigan State to go on the road and get this win here, that is huge for them in this situation. Anthony, what were your thoughts on the game? So first off, I think saying Jameer Young fumbled the ball is being extremely disingenuous to Trey Holloman, making a defensive play and poking the ball away from him. Well, when they um, fumble it, somebody else gets the ball. Yeah, so, so, but I mean, I think, you know, you look, this is obviously a tale of two halves. First half, MSU scores 44 they were shooting 59% from the field, 6 of 10 from 3. And, I mean, like on the road against Maryland, who is by most metrics a top 30 defense, that was pretty, pretty impressive to put up that you know offensive showing. And then Maryland really adjusted well in the second half. They clamped down in the paint. I think they had six blocks in the second half alone. So they really, really keyed in on trying to stop Michigan State defensively. And, and for the most part, it worked. Michigan State only had 17 second-half points. Um you know, AJ Hogard and, and Tyson Walker really have to be MSU's closers if they want to do any serious damage in the Big Ten and, and in March. And they uh, they combined for MSU's last five field goals. So they, they did that. Um, I can't stay in understate or it can't be overstated how important Trey Holloman is to this team, particularly with um, having Jeremy Fears go down. Um, I think having a guy like Trey Holloman for uh, as a backup point guard is is a luxury in in the Big Ten. He coming off the bench, he's you know, I wouldn't say he's necessarily starting caliber, but be, as a three and D guy goes, he's he can clamp down defensively. He really did well today defensively. Um, Jameer Young still had 19 points, but he it was on six of 15 shooting. He had seven turnovers, and then Trey had the you know the poke at, at the very end to seal the game. So he's he's really flourishing right now with this increased role. Um, fun little nugget from John Rothstein. MSU is nine and zero when Trey Holloman scores six points or more. So he has a good wow. game. MSU's MSU's going to look look a lot better. Um, absolutely massive for MSU to get their first road win of the season. Proves that they can. It wasn't pretty, but honestly, I will take a road win anywhere we can get one in the Big Ten today. So props to Maryland for for crashing the offensive glass. Uh, keeping you know keeping themselves in it with their defense, but really really excited to see Michigan State um, you know finish out a close one on the road. Yeah, I mean Maryland, the record won't say it, but they've been playing really good ball lately. Ever since that Mer- or that Purdue game, uh, they've been right in those games with them, or they've won the game. So uh, Maryland is playing some good basketball right now. It kind of goes back to what I said in the last recap about the Maryland game. Um, really, they're best shot to win games is for Jameer Young and Julian Reese to score half the points. Uh, in this one, they scored 29 and they had 59 points. So they weren't 50% there. Uh, Jordan Geronimo, zero points in 25 minutes, only three rebounds, four personal fouls. I mean, when you have more personal fouls than you do rebounds and you play 20 plus minutes, that's just not going to get it done. Uh, Jameer Young, I think is a fantastic player. Julian Reese is not only a fantastic player uh, on offense, but he's also one of the best defenders in the big 10. They just need some more help there. Now, granted, Scott, 
Um, he, he was able to do a lot of work there, 16 points in this game. So that helped out a lot, but still, I mean, you, you have got to get more from some of these other guys, uh, like Geronimo and Harris Smith and in the bench, the only nine points off the bench in this one. Uh, it's just, it's not a winning strategy for Maryland, uh, to do that. And I think you're exactly right about Michigan state with, uh, Trey Holloman, Anthony, he surprised me, not surprised me, but he did a lot of things in this game that really solidified the win for Michigan State shooting three for four from behind the three-point arc uh, that's huge for them especially you know when you're the leading three-point shooter on the team coming off the bench uh, that provides so much for your team uh, not just in the points column but also team overall or team morale everything like that Kent what were your thoughts on the game yeah I mean I thought that if Michigan State was playing almost anybody else this would have been a loss honestly I gotta I gotta be honest even though Anthony's on the show um it's a good win I have to admit it's a good win to get any win on the road in the Big Ten but um the the hole that Maryland had to dig out of in the first half was just a little bit too much I thought Michigan State looked great in the first half especially defensively I even tweeted that out it felt like Michigan State had eight or nine guys on defense like Maryland just could not get anything. They couldn't get to the basket. They couldn't do anything offensively, and that was a good credit to uh, the Spartan defense. But as far as the second half goes, I thought it got coached poorly by Michigan State, I'll be honest. Um, about six minutes left, they started running their patented like dribble handoff at the top of the key offense where they handed off or pitch it like three times. And then every single time they run a pick and roll off of that, and as a casual, which that's what my account is named, if I can figure that out, then Division One college basketball players, especially Maryland college basketball players, figured it out. And that's when they started getting stops and getting back into the game. I thought that um, Michigan State should have started doing a little bit different stuff offensively at the end of the game uh, to try to take the lead and uh, take control of this game. And they didn't. Um, but like you said, they they ended up hitting enough shots at the end. Obviously Tyson Walker's like three with less than a minute to go was the dagger right there. But I feel like if that shot doesn't go down, then Michigan state loses this game. And then um, it's really, honestly, this is going to sound crazy, but for me, like this game really like hinged a lot of what their season is going to be. Like, I felt like if they lost this game, there was a chance that they start sliding down to not making the tournament. And if they won this game, it's like a completely different team. Like, now they can start going towards getting a higher seat in the tournament. And luckily for Spartans fans, they did win this game and um, they can start going that direction. But again, for Maryland, just too many mistakes. I mean, 17 to seven on the turnovers. And then, like I said, the hole to dig out of in the first half was just a little bit too much for them. If they could have played a little bit better in the first half, they could have got this home win. But it was just it was just too much. But I still feel like Michigan State has a lot to improve on if they're going to um, you know, get a higher seed in the tournament and then even like make any sort of a run in the NCAA tournament, which is what we were kind of expecting them to do going into the season, right? Yeah. I mean, these were both teams that came into the season with very high expectations and Michigan State is the team who can not fulfill all of those, but at least get to the tournament and make some, uh, it makes some noise there, but Maryland, I mean, a lot of their hype came in from guys. Well, I mean, we have Terps guy right here letting us know DHS and, and uh, Jamie Caser. They're just they're not good. Uh, and I hate saying that. I hate being that guy to point out players. But 
I, I'm not saying they're not good, but they're not playing well. That's for sure. So they might be good players, but on the court, what they're showing right now, it's just not enough. Um, I pointed out Jordan Geronimo, but um, he's exactly right. A couple of those guys there. Um, it's it's just not good enough for Maryland to be who they hope to be this season. And I felt like this game was kind of the nail in the coffin to say, Maryland, you you're just you step back from what you were supposed to be. And honestly, the the people I feel the worst for are Jameer Young and Julian Reese because their talent has essentially been wasted um, with this team. I know that sounds harsh, but I mean, Anthony, am I wrong? I mean, outside of those, I, they obviously defensively, those two guys are, you know, game changers and offensively they're, they're I, both sides of the ball. They're really, you know, all you can ask for, but you, you need more from from everyone else. And early on in the season when Michigan State was struggling, it was kind of like, when will anyone not named Tyson Walker step up? And then when people not named Tyson Walker step up, the team looks a lot better, right? So it's you just right. you have to have more help. It can't just be a two-man show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ultimate Boiler, what's up, JR? What's up, Ultimate Boiler? Thanks for being here. Appreciate that. Um, Kent, I wanted to kick it back to you. What we've talked about this a little bit. Um what can this Maryland, is there anything this Maryland team can do to give some satisfaction to the fans this season? I hate to just, you know, continue to, to pour down on them, but is there anything that Maryland can do this season to give that? I mean, would an NIT, you know, win give them any satisfaction? I mean, is there anything they can do this season to give them satisfaction? I don't think so. Honestly, like, the, when you watch a Maryland team, when you watch this Maryland team play, I should say it's just uh, way too many possessions offensively where they look completely lost and they don't know what they're doing. They run a high pick and roll with Reese and Young. And then if that doesn't immediately work, then everyone else is just kind of standing around. So I just feel like um, they're kind of uh, handicapped offensively. And uh, like Anthony was saying, they're a pretty good defensive team, but they just can't score enough to, uh, you know, make any sort of a run. They're not going to be able to make a run in the Big Ten tournament, so that's not going to help them at all. And then, um, to be honest, like, no one cares about the NIT. Like, you could win the NIT in, like, uh, Maryland, who is the last Big Ten team, current Big Ten team, to win a national championship, is not going to be happy with a NIT championship. They're just not. So that's not going to make them happy and they're not going to make the tournament. And um, it's just unfortunate. Like you said, Jameer Young is so talented and they have enough pieces. But uh, I just feel like offensively, they just can't do enough to do what they thought they were going to be able to do this season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad. Um, You know, I, I put out my power rankings what was it last week for player of the year? And I got some flack from some Maryland fans because they were saying Jameer Young should be up there. And uh, while I don't disagree, he should be up there based on talent alone. Unfortunately, when your team is not up there contending at all, it is really, really hard to win player of the year and even be in that discussion uh, for the Big Ten. And uh, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about when I say that, you know, Maryland has essentially wasted Jameer Young because he's not even getting the credit he deserves for for how talented he is. Uh, one more note on Michigan State before we move on here, Anthony. Um, I was very critical of the front court early on in the season, and I would like to hear your thoughts, Anthony, because I've I've heard some people talk about how things are getting better. I think Malik Hall is getting better. Um, I think Malik Hall is doing better, but I still I look at um, Carson Cooper, zero points, 
27 minutes, four rebounds. Um, I look at Manny Sissoko. Granted, he only plays 10 minutes in this game, but two points. I mean, at, at, do you see improvement from this front court that is helpful at all? I mean, are you seeing the same thing I am? Is there something I'm missing? I, I just, I don't see a winning front court on this team. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, Malik Hall has definitely been better. He's over the last seven games. He had one stinker at Northwestern. But other than that, six of the last seven games, he's been everything we wanted him to be right. in a better and upperclassman. You know, um, there's times where I think he gets a little bit reliant on the same, you know, post type moves. But sometimes that post type move is really hard to stop, you know, and, and Maryland figured it out in the second half. But I think Malik Hall had 12 points in the first half of this game. So he's a big reason. MSU, I think that's all the points know, he had, too. Right. And that's, that was, you know, that was the, that was the difference at halftime. Um, so, you know, obviously he, it's, it's been a breath of fresh air to see him really, really step up in the ways that he has. I think the five, I don't want to throw up our hairs and hands and say nothing can be done, but at this point, all we can ask for from that group is combined. Can we get into double digit rebounds? Right. There's been a couple of games where Matty Sissoko has four points, but he has 12 boards. Right. I think he's top. I put out a stat last week. He was number nine in the country in defensive rebounding percentage. So when he's out there and he's keeping teams off of the offensive glass, that's really, you know, that, that this team can, he can help get the transition going. He's not going to be your first guy up the floor, but if he can secure the rebound, get it to the guards who can really push up the floor, MSU gets, you know, if they can get 15, 20 transition points, it's a total game changer for this team. Today, um, Sissoko had foul trouble, right? So that kept him off the right. floor. I, I think ideally we'd want him playing a lot more than 10 minutes. I think he's yeah. probably got a slight edge over Cooper in terms of what he brings up, brings to the team in terms of physicality. I think Cooper's a little more mobile in terms of defending pick and roll. Um, obviously, I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see Jackson Kohler be 100%, but the fact of the matter is he's coming off, you know, half a season with a foot injury. So he's not going to be, jumping right back into action. He looked good in the two minutes he was in tonight, but it was, you know, I'm not expecting him to jump right in and play, play 15, 20 minutes a night. Like a lot of people probably wanted him to. If you're looking for offensive production, it's going to come from Kohler. You're not going to see it from Cooper or Sissoko outside of an offensive rebound and put back or, or a lob. Right. And if teams are shutting that down, they're going to be non-factors on offense. So would I like to see MSU run, run some small ball? Absolutely. Will they? Probably not. Izzo will continue to run a play through Sissoko the first time off the tip, and it's going to make me pull out my hair every time he does it, and he's still going to do it. Izzo's Izzo. He's stubborn. You love him. You hate him, but it's that's that's what you get at this point from the center position. So long, long answer to a short answer. Do I see improvement? Probably not from the center. From Malik Hall, definitely. I def- he's definitely looked like a, a, a rejuvenated player over the last seven games. Here's the nice thing I'll say about the Michigan state front court. Uh, Carson Cooper has the most intimidating neck in the big 10. <laughs> it's just like girth on that thing. Uh, JR, so I had I to comment know. on the front court real quick. If, if I may. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> yeah, I know that the front court might be struggling, but I think the thing that we're forgetting a lot about Michigan state is that the play that we're getting from the bench. And a lot of people talk about, in college basketball, they talk about the bench and they talk about players that are actually playing. But I do want to mention that Steven Izzo is averaging at least 25 standups per game. 
every game so far. And that is something that cannot be overstated. He stands up, he claps his hand, he does the rocking the baby, he sometimes jumps. And, uh, you know, the front court really feeds off that. And you could see that in this game. You know, some of those guys were like, okay, I can feel Steven jumping and getting up and he's getting excited. So we're going to get excited. We're going to get some blocks, maybe score some down low on the block. And, um, you know, that's huge for them. And people don't people don't really talk about that enough in college basketball. The, the bench play from the guys that are actually on the bench, you know. You gotta you gotta look at Garrick Norman too. He has some great uh uh great bench reactions too. He's redshirting this year, but he'll be a good shooting guard in years to come. But he's right there next to Stevie, just faces lighting up on every on any big play. Are they the best bench duo in the Big Ten? No doubt. Like Hard we talk about back one. you know, backcourt duos, like what about the bench duos? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the only ones I know. <laughs> I'm not hearing so they must any- be the best. I'm not hearing any Steven Izzo slander on uh, on the closure of the week where he scored his only collegiate field goal. Probably his only slander. ever collegiate field. <laughs> it's not we slander. Love Steven I, Izzo. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we are the official Steven Izzo podcast. He's played in 43 games, I think. He was 0 for 15 before that shot. For, hold on, he played in 43 games. 43 games. Wow. Okay. Wow. Good for him. Is he a senior? How old is he? He is a super senior. Yeah. Wow. So super senior or COVID senior? Uh, I, he's played. He's but he's played five years. Um, so I think he redshirted one year, and he's had four years of or, or not redshirted, but like he's he he had an eligible extra year because of COVID. So he's currently gotcha. in his fifth year. Gotcha. All right. Well, we could sit here and talk about Stephen Izzo all night. Um, we'll end it with this. Blake here, epic. Bucket too. Yes. Yes. It was. It was an epic bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So epic. You put some Titanic music behind it and your tweet gets viral. So (laughs) it's great. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Uh, Illinois beats Rutgers 86 to 63 in this one. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. came back and he had 16 points on 28 minutes. He did not start in this one, but he did get uh, some starter minutes. He played the fourth most minutes on the team. Uh, We're going to talk about this game, but just a little disclaimer. I know that the Terrence Shannon Jr., you know, conversation is very uh, tumultuous right now because everybody wants to talk about what's going on legally and all that stuff. Um, We're just going to talk about his performance on the court. We're not really going to talk about all that stuff. One, I'm not a legal expert. Two, I, this is not the podcast really get into that stuff. Illini cast has gone into that a little bit, explaining the situation. So uh, I highly recommend them as they know much more about it. But in referencing Terrence Chan Jr., we're just going to talk about his play on the court. And if he stops playing on the court, then we will just move on and probably start much talking much more about Marcus Domask because he scores a lot of points too when Terrence Chan Jr. is not there. Speaking of Marcus Domask, only 12 points in this game on 33 minutes. He did have seven rebounds, five assists, so a good game from him. He obviously is not getting the same production with Terrence Chan Jr. in the game. Kent, what were your thoughts on the big win for Illinois? Yeah, uh, Rutgers just completely overmatched in this game. I mean, you look at some of the things that you want to do on the road or even just in any Big Ten matchup that will get you a win, and Rutgers did all of those things wrong. They had three guys in double figures. Illinois had five. They got out-rebounded by 13. They only hit three three-pointers. Now, I will say their their perimeter defense was pretty good. They held Illinois to only six, but you can't hit three three-pointers on the road and expect to pick up a win, especially against a team like Illinois. 
Um, just a completely different game than what we saw when they beat Nebraska. I mean, in overtime just earlier this week, I believe it was. Um, just didn't see the same um, want to from Rutgers that we saw in that first game. And it, it was just a game that uh, Rutgers was better at, or I'm sorry, Illinois was better at every position and uh, just kind of kept control of this game throughout. It just wasn't really, to me, there wasn't really a storyline in this game other than that Illinois is better than Rutgers. It's kind of something that we knew going into it. So uh, not much to really say about this one. Oh, there wasn't even like a huge run in the first half. I think it was just like this slow pull away that Illinois had. Yeah. You could just like feel it happening at the beginning of the game where it just felt like Rutgers was not in it for this one. They made a bit of a surge. I think they cut it to 10 or 8 uh, late mm-hmm. into the first quarter. So there was a bit of a surge there. But at the end of the day, you could just tell this was this was Illinois' game. They were not going to lose at home in this one. Um, and this is, I mean, this is what a you know top 15, top 10 team in the country should do is they should have an inferior team come in and they should easily take care of them, move on, go to the next game. So massive props to them. Um, I'm more and more impressed with Brad Underwood and what he is doing each and every game. You know, I've not always been a Brad Underwood fan, but I think that he's doing a great job with the team this year. Um, and I like that he brought Terrence Shannon Jr. off the bench. And when Terrence Shannon Jr. was going well, I think, you know, he didn't hit like his first four shots or something like that. He kept him in there and he let him go through it. And, and I thought that was a good move by Brad Underwood. Um, and I just, I don't have anything bad to say about the Illinois, uh, the uh, Illini in this one. Anthony, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so I mean, from Rutgers' perspective, if you, you know, shoot thir- three for 14 from deep, you're not gonna you're not gonna get a road win, and Rutgers has been just anemic offensively this year. Defensively, obviously they're they're able to to slow opponents down, and that keeps, lets them hang around, but when they're when they're, you know, when they're not playing in uh, Piscataway, it's scary times for them. Um, Really, their center, uh, Amori, was, I can never pronounce his name. Amori, really, Yeah, Amori was really the only threat, right? Um, and Illinois couldn't really do much defensively with him. He was he was pretty efficient today. But outside of that, Mag was a complete non-factor, two points today. Hyatt was pretty average for by his standards, had 11 points, 5 of 12. Um, overall, just not enough offensive output, output from Rutgers to to you know, stay, you know, stay relevant in this one. They did pull to within four in the second half. They were down like 55, 51, but immediately after that, Illinois went on a quick five Oh run and never, it, it never got back down to single digits after that. It was just a kind of a, you know, nail in the coffin type moment. Um, with Terrence Shannon back, Illinois just sees a whole new level of um, intensity on defense and intensity in transition. Um, you could tell tonight that he was a little bit slow. You could tell that he was trying to get his conditioning back and obviously trying to stay in D1 conditioning shape like in the game is going to be hard, but he did pretty admirable given given the time that he had off. Um, Illinois is always going to bother teams defensively with the amount of length that they have on the perimeter um, with Damask and Goody and Rogers um, and now having Shannon back and then having a guy like Coleman Hawkins. I've, I've, um, I love a good stat sheet stuffer and there's been no one better this season at doing that than Coleman Hawkins. He's just been, he's taken his game to another level. And honestly, he's putting himself into NBA, you know, maybe he won't get drafted, but undrafted free agent. Absolutely. I could see him wind up on an NBA roster. Um, so he had what 12 points, nine rebounds, four assists and five steals. 
super versatile on both ends of the floor. He can really stretch you out with his ability to hit from deep, um, you know, but also post up if he needs to. Um, in terms of defensive, you know, he's really mobile for for a guy with his length. Um, but then he's also got the length on the inside to bother a center. So, you know, a guy like Hawkins has just been invaluable for Illinois, particularly defensively, but just overall, really, a, really a nice glue guy for this team. Um, and then I think Harmon too, coming, coming off the bench, he's, you know, he's been shooting lights out recently. So, and you saw it today, he had 18 points today. Um, so yeah, when Harmon, when Harmon's clicking and all of the guards are, are, you know, they're just relentless. So really impressed with Illinois. I think Rutgers is 0-8 at, at State Farm Center since moving to the Big Ten in 2015. So, unfortunately, that streak will go on another year. <laughs> Tough place Anthony, to uh, I got a quick question for you, no, if I can. Yeah, what's up? I, I actually DM'd Coleman Hawkins and asked him to come on my podcast, and he, he hasn't responded yet. So, just a question about his you know decision-making skills going into the NBA, like, not coming on my podcast. So we're not responding at least at this point, at this moment in time. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Was there a question in there? Yeah. So what, what do you think about his decision-making skills about not responding to my DM? I think he is wise to focus on uh, helping his team win. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think anybody who spurns a true, um, a true basketball loving Twitter account and podcast really needs to evaluate how how well they'll be liked about liked by the fans of you know the team that they're eventually going to. So totally True. with you. I've had, you know, Trey Holloman retweeted my stuff. Great guy. Nothing but great things to say about him. So, you know, if you get if you get player interaction, it's it's all the much better. But so if he's watching right now, Coleman, if you're watching, I think he I feel like he is watching at this moment. Oh, yeah. So if you're watching, can you respond to the DM and Maybe pop on the show just for like 15 minutes. I just want to chat about basketball if with you. If he's not verified, I'll see if I can DM him to it. Or I guess you probably need a check mark to verify him I'll, or to, to, to DM him. But I'll DM Coleman too and see if I can get him to, to respond. Back. Yeah. If everyone that's listening could DM Coleman Hawkins and tell him to come on my he's show. He's great, great on Twitter, by the way. He's he is. He actually he's is. hilarious he's really on Twitter. He's like the Lane Kiffin of college basketball players. Also, this is the um, this is the high. Uh, just back to the Illinois. Th- this is their highest scoring team in three decades since ninety three ninety four. So this team is just yeah. Uh, Sunny Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Coleman Hawkins, Sage Air. Hey, I will gladly say it. First uh, team 11, at the very least. <laughs> Eleven steals in his past two games. So between that, I was just getting ready to say that if Coleman Hawkins got a triple double with points, rebounds, and steals, I would not be surprised. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm predicting it, but if it happened, I'd be like, oh wow, yeah, that makes sense. Coleman Hawkins is who Coleman Hawkins is. So, um, yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think Coleman Hawkins is Defensive Player of the Year potential. He's definitely up there in my power rankings. He'll at least be top four, I would think. Um, just going off the top of my head, but yeah, no, he's really shown out lately and been able to do that. And I saw some people putting him on uh, their first team for Big Ten defense whatever all big 10 defense or whatever so now i think coleman hawkins and and i remember going into the year 
Coleman Hawkins, I said, was one of my favorite players in the Big Ten. The biggest thing for me was, can he be consistent? Can he put it together each and every game? I don't think there has been a player who has benefited more, and I'm not trying to say from the situation, but just from Terrence Shannon Jr. being out than Coleman Hawkins because Coleman Hawkins has had to take that leadership role. You know, I think obviously Marcus Domask has taken that scoring role, but the team has looked to Coleman Hawkins more often to, you know, really be that guy who can keep them together. And, you know, for him, if you have Coleman Hawkins playing like that and Terrence, Junior, Terrence Shannon Jr. playing to his top potential, guys, I, I know it sounds crazy, but this is an Elite Eight Final Four team. If those two guys are playing at their Final Four potential or at, that, at their highest potential, this is an Elite Eight Final Four team. And I would not be surprised at all if they made it to the national championship. I'm not predicting that it will happen. I've heard some people predict that. I, I you know, I'm not predicting that, but it would not surprise me at all. Kent, are you with me on that? Or is this like the Chucky Hepburn situation where I'm crazy? No, I think I think that's a good take that what you're saying. I mean, his defense is really good. I mean, I'm 0 for 1 in his DMs right now. So like his defense is amazing, you. I think. Yeah. For me, especially. I, need to, I no, really I, need him to block you to solidify <laughs> my take on his defense. Right? If he that, blocks that me, really... if, he, if I go 0 for 1 with a bl- and I get my shot blocked, oh, man. His defense, I'll put him <laughs> for sure on my, uh, I'll vote him number one in his defensive rankings. But no, no, I think this is a team that can make a run, no doubt. Especially, I do think that they, I'm, I'm one of the few people that thinks that, or maybe I'm not, but uh, I do think that they need, Terrence Shannon Jr. to be on the team though and playing at a high level for them to make a deep run though and you know they did show that they can do it without him but I need him to be there throughout the season and um uh you know kind of carry that team to a final four because he is their best player and uh especially when it comes in March you need those really good high level guards to carry you deep into the tournament yeah, and that's the thing about Coleman Hawkins is, you know, he's not a guard, but he definitely has ball handling skills, and so he's one of those guys that, you know, he just adds another ball handler onto the court, and, you know, he'll give the ball up and then go post up in the post. And so, uh, just such a versatile player, uh, and I just, I love watching him play. I, honestly, I just love watching this Illinois team play. I think that they're a lot of fun, and I think that Brad Underwood's making good decisions, and um, I, you know, I would not be surprised if, you know, if they tied for the Big Ten, you know, championship, or if they made it to the Big Ten championship in the tournament or anything like that, I wouldn't be surprised at all because it's a really good team. All right, moving on from there, let's go to <clears throat> Purdue wins 84-270 over Iowa. They go into Iowa City, the fighting Fran McCaffrey's and take him down. Uh, your boy, Tony Perkins, Kent, he had 24 points in this one, so, you know, can't really be too mad about that. Only problem is uh, Purdue does have Zach Eady, and he scored 30 and just kind of basically had his way with uh, <laughs> with Iowa the entire game. But, you know, hey, Iowa put up a good fight in this one. I, you know, I, I, it, was, it was a blowout, but at the end of the day, you saw some things from Iowa that you want to continue to see. I, I don't know if people realize this Iowa team plays like the most freshmen in the Big Ten or something like that, and they're actually doing a really good job. So uh, with the amount of youth they have on this team playing as well as they are, uh, it is encouraging, but when you have that many freshmen, you're just not going to take down Purdue, even if it is at home. Uh, Kent, what did you see in this game? Uh, I saw Tony Perkins. Like you just said, you took away my talking points. Uh, 24 points from my favorite player in the Big Ten. Uh, five rebounds, four assists. I mean, he did lose the game. I understand that. But you know what I always say about Tony Perkins is that he always looks good doing it, though. So it doesn't really matter if he wins or loses. 
Um, as long as his picture is taken and he's on the graphic after the game, that doesn't really matter. He looked good doing it. Uh, 24, five and four. What else, what else do you want from him? Um, this felt like a game though, throughout as I was watching it, that when Purdue got a big enough lead, which in this game, it was halfway through the first half, they had an eight point lead. Iowa was never able to like, just get over the hump. It just felt like, okay, they're going to get a stop and they're going to get two buckets in a row but then Purdue comes down and scores and then they get a stop and get two buckets in a row. And then Purdue comes down and scores and then Purdue gets a stop. And you know what I mean? It just felt like they just couldn't get any closer than 11, then nine, then eight. So I, I felt, I was, I felt frustrated as a Tony Perkins fan watching this game, um, trying to see him, you know, will his team back. But, um, you know, I thought it was a decent effort by Iowa. This was the most confusing thing to me though. I still get lost on this. Michigan beat Iowa at Iowa by almost the same margin that Purdue did. I cannot figure this out. You know, Purdue won by, I don't know what the final score, you got the final score on the screen right here. They won by 14. I think Michigan won by 10 at Iowa. Um, I just can't figure that part out. And then I did have a question for you guys as I send it back to JR. Trey Kaufman ran at the end of the game came up a little bit limp. Did you guys read anything about what happened with him? Because it didn't look serious on the replay, but he was acting like it was very serious, and I am concerned for him. No, I haven't seen anything about that. Um, and You know, Trey Kaufman Wren, he's kind of proved me right lately. I mean, if he is injured, I hate to talk about a guy who's injured this way, but I remember after the Illinois game, everybody kind of told me, oh, no, he's not an average player. Look, he scored 23 points. I think he even had Russ on here telling me that, and I said, well, maybe I'm wrong. Last four games, he's had zero, five, three, and four points. So um, part of that is Trey Kaufman Wren being average in my mind, but then also part of that is just Zach Edia, Zach Edia's. But if they do lose Trey Kaufman Wren, I do think they lose a valuable piece to the starting lineup because if nothing else, this starting lineup gels together really, really well. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, and Lance Jones. I, I haven't talked about this enough lately. The addition that he has made to this team, uh, not just, you know, in points and things like that, but just the you know, the way the offense operates with him on the floor, he's so unselfish and willing to do whatever it takes. Uh, he's really just a great addition to this team and helping out in those ways. Anthony, have you heard anything about Trey Kaufman Wren or what are your thoughts? Nothing on the injury. No. Um, sorry to be, sorry to be a dud there. Um, no, you're good. I mean, ov- overall it's, I'll say this is, this seems about right for a Fran McCaffrey team. Pretty, pretty smooth offensively, really, you know, can, can score points in, in bunches, but then when they need to get a stop, it's, it's a, it's a very small forward and power forward heavy offense that really does not, you know, they're not structured to stop a guy like Edie, right? I think Purdue had 19 offensive rebounds and 50 rebounds total, which is just a stupid number. Um, you know, what, what are you going to do at that point? The other thing that Purdue does really well is they draw fouls. Edie gets fouls called on him a lot, uh, or you know, draws fouls a lot. He attempted 15 free throws, you know, and even if he shoots 65% on 15 free, th- free throws, it's still a ton. So, you know, it's going to be, it's always going to be a tough, tough out to try to, you know, stop Purdue offensively. Now, where I'm impressed is that Purdue is able to hold Iowa 70 at home. I was, you know, that's, 
it's a team that can shoot really well and can kind of space you out a little bit. And Purdue, I think that's where Lance Jones really can make his mark, you know, not just offensively, but defensively. He brings an intensity, um, you know, Braden Smith, he's, you know, he's tenacious as a defender, but undersized, right? If he has a bigger guy playing, you know, that he's playing against, he's, he, they can shoot over him. Um, I think lawyer can get a little bit lost defensively sometimes. Um, you know, he's good at drawing charges and moving his feet, but um, I think, I think a guy like Lance Jones really balances you out defensively in the backcourt where you need to be able to put pressure on the other team's guards. And they were able to do that. So that's, I, I think this, this is produce. This is one of the best teams I've ever seen Matt Painter field. And I'm fine. I'm running out of excuses for why this team can't make a final four other than it being Matt Painter. Um, you know, if they don't do it this year, when, when will they do it? I, I really have a hard time seeing that it's just the they're so complete particularly that starting five it's just it's hard to it's hard to stop all, all the weapons that they have even if one has an off night I, yeah and i think that's the talking point right now with purdue is you know when they play wisconsin can they beat wisconsin to win the big 10 i think yes you know that's their kind of their next step uh and all of that and you know obviously don't have the down games like you get against nebraska northwestern you need to win those games uh but the, ultimately it comes down to the tournament you know is this team built well enough to win in the tournament i think Braden smith is a much better guard this season i think you know i say that with him having four turnovers in this game it wasn't his best you know turnover margin game but he did have nine assists so when you're going to be passing it and you know dealing it as much as he is you're going to turn it over at some point you know nine points nine assists in this one that's you know that's what you want and then Fletcher Lawyer you know when this guy is on he's on and I think you just have to keep him on the court for that I know after our last recap some people were telling me no you have to have Heidi in there you have to have Morton in there when Fletcher Lawyer isn't hitting uh and I just I disagree the the you know, I obviously have to get a player off the court sometimes, but Fletcher Lawyer, man, his ceiling is so high. I think you got to leave him out there on the court and just let him let him dish, you know, because at the end of the day, he could get hot at any time and hit three threes in a row or something, or, you know, get crazy and and really go off against the team. And with the star power that you have with Zach Eady and with the playing ability of Lance Jones and Braden Smith, if you get that from Fletcher Lawyer, it's game over. There's nobody that's beating this team if Fletcher Lawyer is hitting his ceiling. Kent, you have any thoughts about, you know, Purdue and, and you know, the tournament or Fletcher Lawyer or anything that I said there? I think that this is the year. I mean, I feel like we've seen it a couple of times in college basketball. Like Virginia got knocked out by a 16 seed and they came back the next year and won it. Am I correct about this, guys? Yeah. Um, it feels like after a team gets kind of... Um, I'll say embarrassed. I guess they got embarrassed last year. So after they get embarrassed, they have a little bit more of that extra uh, motivation to make a run uh, the following year. And I, I do think that there's something to that. I think the guys that were on the team last year, Zach Eady being one of them, um, will have that extra motivation and they'll be able to make a deep run. I think um, they have a legitimate chance to win the entire thing. I think that they for sure could win the national championship. They have uh, the best resume, I think, in all of college basketball right now. They've eaten um, some of the, I mean, how many top 10 Ken Palm wins do they, they have? have at six quad one wins. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, so they can definitely play with anyone. The problem is <laughs> they can play with anyone. They can lose to Nebraska. They can lose to Northwestern. So um, it's just a matter of how well they can play at those neutral sites once uh, March Madness starts. But I think that they're built for it, and I, I I don't put any stock into the 
uh, Matt Painter history at all. I think that uh, uh, any coach with a team that this, is this good can uh, win the whole thing. I really do. Yeah, I mean, when you have Zach Eady, there is not a team out there that you cannot beat. And at the end of the day, that I mean, that should be the trump card in every yeah. situation is we have Zach Eady. End of story. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, obviously, you know, if, if some of these better teams play them, but, uh, you know, anything could happen. But that's what I'm trying to say with, you know, some of these smaller teams, um, not smaller teams, some of this less competition teams like a Nebraska or a Northwestern, where in reality, we know those teams aren't as good as Purdue. And Zach Eady should just be the trump card in this one. So, uh, yeah, their quad one wins are they beat Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette, Alabama, Arizona. Illinois and actually Iowa was a quad one win. So they do have seven now because Iowa's 50th in Ken Palm. So that's like, I think that's right on the line because it was at Iowa in this one. So um, Gonzaga's yeah. got to be right on the line too. Cause they're fading at this they're, point. Yeah. They're faltering a little bit they're right 30th now. 30th and net. Yeah. They're mm. 30th and net. So uh, they were right on the line though, because it, it was at per, or was it neutral? It was either at. Now it was neutral. I think. Yeah, so neutral, yeah. they were right on the line there, too. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. It was 1-75 to 75 when you're on the road. So I And Adam think. Morrison did not play in that game, so that's a factor for Gonzaga, yeah. you know? So it's tough Adam to really, not you know, you, like, look at that and you go, mm, was that really a good win? Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, their quad one games remaining are at Wisconsin, at Ohio State. How is that a quad one game? Oh, my goodness. Um and then Michigan State at Illinois and Wisconsin. So they do have Wisconsin twice more this year in Illinois. So, you know, could have something happen there. But no, this I is think- one spot where it'd be it's interesting for Michigan State. They have three signature games left on the entire schedule. They have Illinois. They have at Wisconsin this Friday, which I will be at because um, I live in Madison. Um, nice. And then they have Illinois at home and then they have at Purdue. And that's it. And they have, you know, other road games too, but all of them are quad two. It's, those are their three signature, you know, games left on the schedule. Other than that, it's, it's a lot of games that feel similar to Maryland at Maryland. Well, my Buckeyes will try to get up to 30 for you. We're at 46 now. Please so we'll do. try to get up to 30 for you. <laughs> Just so you can beat us and knock us back down. Um yeah, no, I, I I think biggest thing with Purdue is we can just keep talking about how they're just going to keep winning, but at the end of the day, those fans aren't going to be satisfied unless they make it deep into the tournament. I think Final Four is what they're looking for at the very least. So, But I'd love to get another Purdue fan on here and get their thoughts. So, All right, before we move on to the next one, do we remind you, CBB Analytics is where we get a lot of our analytics here at the Big Ten Huddle. They give me a free pro tier to tell you about the CBB Analytics, so go check them out. You don't need a pro tier to get all of the awesome information there they also have free accounts free stuff online that you can get uh and it's all professionally done i mean these the, the guy who made this he literally used to work for the nba doing analytics for them so all the stuff that he used to do for the nba he now does for college basketball and it's it's awesome stuff go check them out even if you're just looking at it for free uh but consider getting a tier because there is a lot of great information there it's what the coaches use it's what everybody uses who's serious about basketball if you're serious about studying your team or the opponents the matchups uh go to cbb and analytics and check them out all right wisconsin speaking of wisconsin they beat indiana 91 to 79 um this was not exactly 
a pretty game. Uh, I was talking to my in-laws on, what was it, Friday night, Saturday night, uh, maybe some last night, I guess, about this Indiana team. And, I mean, they're just, they, they are not happy with them at all. And I can't say that Mike Woodson is probably happy with them either. CJ Gunn, did he get ejected or was it just like a flagrant? I think he got ejected, didn't he? He got ejected, yeah. Yeah, he got ejected. Max Klesman was kind of egging him on, but... You know, that's also kind of the game. Props to Matt Klesman if he was able to, you know, get him to react a little bit because that's what you're trying to do. Um, we mentioned how, um, you know, Maryland is kind of wasting Jameer Young. Indiana's kind of wasting Malik Renew. 28 points, 8 rebounds. I don't think Malik Renew is quite on the same skill level of Jameer Young, but he's definitely a very good player um, who is not getting quite the recognition he deserves. Peyton Sparks started in this one because Kalel Ware was out, so that was a bit disappointing for them. But, you know, Wisconsin, they Why was he out, by the way? Sorry, JR. Why was he out? I don't remember. I need to look that up. Um, I'll look it up while Anthony's talking. Anthony, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so this is not your, I won't say not your dad's Wisconsin team, but not the Wisconsin team that you would have seen this last decade and a half, which are just, you know, grinded out Virginia style, slow defense. No, this is a top five offensive efficiency Wisconsin team. And you saw every bit of that. I can't remember this time, the last time this team hung 90 on someone in Big Ten play, you know, maybe during, during the, you know, non-conference schedule when they play a cupcake, but this team's just a completely different animal offensively. When you got a guy like Klesmet, who's, you know, five of seven from three, um, you know, Chucky Hepburn's always going to be, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. I think I, I've talked bunches about how good AJ Store has been as a transfer. He is, you know, 100% of the reason why you point to the transfer portal as if you've got a hole on the team and you need to plug it go get your guy like AJ store is that guy for Wisconsin. He's just been totally, he's been a complete breath of fresh air for this team offensively. Um, and then wall and Crowell have kind of been, they've been anchors in the, you know, in the interior for this Wisconsin team for what feels like seven seasons. Now I feel like those two guys have been there for forever and they're just, they're, they're kind of slithery. They're, they're, they'll, you know, they'll duck under a little bit. They're just, they, they have a way of just, they're they're just very a very strong interior duo. So it's 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 a really really tough team to try to try to handle. You know, offensively trying to stop them, and you know, Indiana tried to you know try to keep an industry tried to keep it interesting, but you know, without Kalel Ware there, um, I think that really you, you know Malik Renault and that was that was it, right? It, it was just you you need a lot you need a lot more than that. You need bench contributors to be able to to hang with Wisconsin and make stops when you need to. I think that's, how are you going to stop them? I will say this is a weaker defensive team than we're used to seeing from Wisconsin, but the way they're scoring, it probably doesn't matter at this point. Um, So it's one of those Wisconsin teams. You're just like, man, how is Wisconsin going to win the big 10 again or win a share of the big 10 again? But here they are uh, year after year, always in the thick of it. Uh, It just, Makes me pull out my hair sometimes, but it's, that's Wisconsin, you know? 
Yeah, no, I, I was uh, reminiscing when I was watching this game back to Wisconsin fans last year talking about how Greg Gard has no offense and, you know, <laughs> he can't put anything together and, you know, should we move on from Greg Gard? And I'm like, man, has any coach answered what the fans were clamoring about more than Greg Gard has this They year? had a game um, where Chucky Hepburn threw a lob off the backboard to a guy who dunked it. And it's like, what am I watching here? This is not Wisconsin basketball. This is completely new product. So. Showtime in Madison. <laughs> Showtime, Lob City. <laughs> um, Kent Kalowair was out with a ankle injury in mm. this one. And <laughs> apparently, I read in the thing, a da- the daily student for Indiana. Apparently, the student asked Mike Woodson how long he would be out for. And Woodson said, I don't know. I really don't know. Can't say I know. Please don't ask me if I know. I don't know. <laughs> so, that's Mike Woodson for you. Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, I was watching this game, I have to admit, uh, while I was watching the new Netflix thriller, American Nightmare, on my second TV. I don't know if you guys have seen this show, but for anyone who's listening, oh my gosh, it was just, I mean, it was kind of like Indiana season, you're right, but that show, by the way, just a quick plug, uh, thrilling, thrilling show. It had me twisting and turning on the edge of my seat the whole time, my wife and I loved it. But luckily for us, we have two TVs in our living room. So I had this one on the second TV, as we usually do when uh, my wife is around. But a uh, couple things about this game. First of all, Wisconsin, uh, amazing jerseys in this game. They had the silver letters with the red numbers. I think that this is a good look with the white jerseys. And then, uh, as Anthony already talked about, uh, Max. I mean, dude scored. I, I pulled this tweet up while you were talking, Anthony. Uh, he scored 19 points in a row in the second half. Like insane was on fire. Dude could not miss. And then even I I believe right at the end of that stretch, he had like a pull up jumper from three where it looked like he was going to shoot. And then at the last minute, just like dumped it down into the post. I forget who was down there. It was either wall or somebody else. But uh, and then got like, I mean, they were just on fire. He was on fire. He could not be stopped. It was ridiculous. And it was really, really fun to watch, actually. Um, especially while, while I was watching a show about murder, um, even more fun to watch while I was doing that. It was insane. Um, I do, I did want to point out too, that I haven't watched a ton of Indiana while Peyton Sparks was on the floor. He is, uh, if we were ever going to do a draft of guys that you want on your team in a bar fight, number one pick Peyton Sparks dude is Jack. I didn't realize he was that big. They had to like close-ups on him while he was shooting free throws i've never messed with him i would never say a bad thing about peyton sparks and i want him to be my friend anytime i go out on the town uh i love peyton sparks but unfortunately for him his team lost this game in uh indiana just didn't have enough wisconsin um like i said last week jr i think that they're a legitimate team to win the big 10 outright not just like tie it i think that they could beat. i really think they can beat purdue and I think that they can keep the lead on them and uh, win it outright. And I tweeted out right after the game that I think that Wisconsin could be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I think it's legit. I just don't see very many games on their schedule that they're going to lose. I mean, Purdue is one of them that they could lose. But other than that, I'm just not really worried. They get Michigan State at home. Um, just a lot of other really uh, good things lining up for them on their schedule. So I feel like that Wisconsin is a team that we need to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season. 
I'm not trying to jinx Wisconsin in Madison, but Michigan State has won two straight there, and I've been present for both of those wins, and I will also be going this Friday. So, Oh, man. All eyes on that. All eyes on that game. I am really excited about that game. I'm excited about that one, and obviously the Purdue game. Like, It's just going to be really fun to watch the top-tier teams play against uh, Wisconsin, who I think is right up there as well. So Torvik, one of my favorite uh, analytics guys, he has four teams in the Big Ten who currently have a projected record above 500 in Big Ten play. Um, Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. And Michigan State is 11 and 9, and then there's a whole bunch of teams at 500, and then everybody else is below. So it's just, I hate to say a mid-year for most of the conference, but there are those years where you get, you know, eight, nine, 10 teams who are all kind of in the lower seeds and then a couple higher ones. But this is going to be a year where we have three who are top four seeds in the tournament, maybe a couple more who are going to be in the, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range. But outside of that, it's, it, it looks like a year where the big 10 has a couple teams who are really good. And then a lot of teams who are just, eh. yeah, for sure. Um, before I get to my point, not Ryan says going to be crazy when uh, I think he means Sparty beats Wisconsin on Friday. So you have a fan there with you. Um, Okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been workshopping it in my mind. Some people are going to hate me for this. If Rajiv is watching this, I know he's not going to like me uh, for a minute, but hear me out guys. Um, Wisconsin. I feel like they are kind of like the Iowa of the big 10 this season from Iowa football. Uh, Hear me out. I know you're like, John, what are you talking about? Um, Other than Marquette, what like really good team have they beat this year? They beat Virginia, but Virginia's what 13 and six or something like that. They're kind of a so, so team. I mean, they're, they're good in the ACC, but you know, they're not blowing anybody out of the water. Um, I know they've beat team by some good points, but like I, I don't know. I want to see the big wins before I start crowning up. They went undefeated in the Big Ten. Kent, I know you don't like this, and, and it's fine. But, I mean, they got to beat Minnesota, Sparty, Nebraska. I mean, Sparty's going to be probably their biggest test. But, I mean, it, I just I look at the schedule, and I look at their games, and I say, who have they really beat that is a really good team Purdue who have they beat it's a really good pe- well <laughs> already they yes. beat us once and they did it yes. handily they made us look really silly in the Breslin when our team was reeling but that's true yeah I, I I'm with you that they really outside of Marquette you look at a team like Purdue who has six ridiculous wins you know quad one wins where they just completely dominant Wisconsin maybe doesn't have the strength of schedule there but they're also just the team that just kind of finds a way you know you don't like how they do it, but you're just like, man, they just won again. Like it, it's not always pretty, but they, they just they they go out, they get a win. I don't think Jr. I don't think that they're the best team in the Big Ten. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the way that their schedule lines up, they have a legitimate chance to still win the Big Ten. I do think that Purdue's resume well, is still yeah, better, okay. but like you look at some of their away games, like you were just saying, at Minnesota, that's a win. They already beat. They're going to to Nebraska. They already beat them by like 16 at Michigan is a win for everybody at Rutgers is an easy win at Iowa. I mean, at Indiana at, I mean, they have at Purdue at the end of the year. We talked about this last week. That could be for the conference right there, but 
I mean, those road games right there, if you take Purdue out of it, like I don't see one that they really should lose, honestly. Like, and then everybody that they have at home, even it's like Michigan State's going to be tough and Purdue's going to be tough, but like I think they could beat everybody else that they have at home. So I don't know, man. I just really like their schedule. If they can get through, so they have a three game stretch coming up. If they can get through at home against Michigan State, at Nebraska, and then at home against Purdue, and they can go two and one in that stretch or three and oh, I am totally with you. There's no way that team should not win at least a, a, a portion of the Big Ten. Yeah, and I when I said Iowa football of Big Ten basketball, that was probably you know too big. I'm just I'm trying to find some kind of comparison for a team that wins games that they should, but I haven't seen them beat like any really really good teams. And I and I know that's hyperbolic because Penn like State Marquette. Um, well, yeah, that actually that actually kind of fits. And they lost to Penn State at Penn State like two that's games. Right. Ago. So there you go. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to say I'm not a believer in Wisconsin. I, I I do think Wisconsin is a good team. I just want to see them be a very good team that's not Marquette. Because I think Marquette has been up and down a little bit. And I think they have some good wins. I think they have some bad losses as well. Um, but I really, the game I have circled right now is that Illinois game in March. Uh, at the they did beat a really good Chicago State team. I want to point yes. that out. That is a quality win right there at home, which not a lot of teams in the Big Ten have done that this year, beating Chicago State at home. What's Chicago State's record against the Big Ten? Like one or something like that? I think it's got to be it's got to be one and one, right? Uh, We're catching some strays here, Chris Collins. Uh, Moving on to Chris Collins in Northwestern. Uh, Nebraska beats the Fighting Wildcats and the Fighting Boo Booies, 75 to 69 in this one. Uh, Tom Inaga looked like he had the game of his life and he was having so much fun out there. Um, I had fun watching the game, if nothing else, just because I got to watch Tom Inaga play. And then we're talking about it on the broadcast about how he just, he loves to play basketball. And, you know, I hadn't really thought of that to that extent uh, that they were kind of going into. And you could just tell he, he was having so much fun out there and, and playing so well um, that this Nebraska team is fun to watch. Rank mass airballed a three-pointer, but you know what? They went down and they played great defense and they just kept going uh, in this one. So I was kind of concerned what they would be like without Juwan Gary, but this Alec, what's his first name? Josiah Alec. He stepped in and he did a really good job for, for uh, the Juwan Gary role, 15 points, five rebounds. So uh, I'm not as concerned about that as I once was, but Kent, I'm a concern or not concerned. I'm qu- uh, curious your thoughts on this game for, I mean, for Nebraska, it's funny that you say that, like I like playing basketball too, and I have a lot of fun doing it, but the difference is that Casey is actually really good at it. That's the big difference between me and him. Um, I like watching Nebraska on uh, when they're at home. I really do. I think that they're a completely different team. I mean, how do you lose to Rutgers earlier in the week and then come back home and win this game? I just don't really understand how it happens. I mean, they're just a completely different team. I, I still will never lose faith. Uh, Anthony, it's funny you mentioned uh, Chris Collins. He's my favorite coach in the entire conference. So I'm still not completely losing faith in Northwestern, but here's what I'm going to say about them. And this is my biggest takeaway from this game. Um, Ty Berry has gone from a guy that was, it's okay if he scores and we can still win or lose if he does or doesn't 
to we need you to score, dude. And he didn't do it in this game. He went two for 10 and scored six points. And that's not enough from him. They need more from him if they're going to win a road game at Nebraska. So um, not that I'm placing all the blame on Ty Berry because I like Ty Berry. He's a he look. I mean, he's a great basketball player. He seems like a really nice kid, too. Um, but it's his fault that they lost. They needed more points from him. So uh, I like watching Nebraska, like I said, at home. It's just really weird. They're they're one of the most uh, up and down teams when they travel and when they're at home. It's it's very odd to watch. But uh, like you said, very fun to watch in this most recent game. Well, and Sam Hoiberg, too, right? I mean, this yeah. guy has a level of energy at home. I mean, there was like that one rebound. I, I forget when it was in the game, but like that one rebound where like three Northwestern players were all around the ball and he just like scoots in there and gets the ball and he like throws it underhand back out to Kasai Tamanaga. And it was just like, man, this you can see why this guy uh, gets the playing time he does. He's the complete opposite of a coach's son. Like, I don't know about you guys. When I was growing up playing ball, you know, the coach's son was always like the one that was like, I don't have to try that hard. My dad's going to play me no matter what. Uh, Sam Hoiberg is like what I was when I was playing basketball, where it's like, if I just don't stop running, the coach has to play me, right? Um, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what Sam Hoiberg does. But, um, you know, I, I appreciate watching him play. And I think, I think he's fun to watch, especially in situations like that. And I can't, go without calling out uh cj i shouldn't say calling out but mentioning cj wilcher cj wilcher is a really nice piece for nebraska coming off the bench 10 points in this one uh two steals <clears throat> he had two tur- or, uh, three turnovers so that's not great but i really like what i see from him and when he's going uh it's really fun to see anthony what were your thoughts on this one well first off we need to do a shout out to J- uh josiah uh like for his air yeah. he has possibly probably the best hair in the entire big 10 not even yep. it's not close um oh, for tominaga hair draft oh yeah <laughs> so for tominaga he is like i feel like he has to be like the poster child for like the ideal big 10 player that like every team likes i don't think there's a single fan of a single team who watches him play and is like i just hate this guy like he, even when you're playing him, like man, this guy's just balling out. He's having the time of his life out there. So it's it's a fun team to watch. Nebraska at home is a top four team in the Big Ten. Nebraska on the road is a bottom four team in the Big Ten. I think they are zero and four on the road and four and zero at home. So they really are like home and away, Jekyll and Hyde, kind of like Maryland. Maryland, you know, at home they're a they're a, they're a different team than when they play on the road. Um, but Nebraska is even more extreme than them. Overall, pretty disappointing effort for for Northwestern. Um, obviously, Ty Berry, not not his day. But when you have Ty Berry and Boo Booey going four for twenty five from the field, that's you're not going to win games doing that. You're just not right. Um, the other thing about Nebraska is it's not just one guy. It's this wave of guys who just all play really well together. They're just very balanced. You know, they really, they have a lot of different ways that they can hurt you when they're playing at home. So it's, you know, they had a guy, they had Gary go down, but they really haven't lost the step when, you know, when they're playing without him. So I really, really enjoy watching him play. Um, you know, I hope that, I really hope that Nebraska can make tourney because I think Hoiberg deserves it. I think he's, he's taken his lumps, but he, I think he, I, I think he's gotten jobbed in some past years where he had opportunities to go to the tournament and teams got injured. But I, I think, I think Hoiberg is a good coach. I think he 
has these guys playing well together. So it's just, I really, I would love to see Nebraska go to the tournament this year. And I hope that they do make it in and they play well enough down the stretch to do so. Yeah, Nebraska is one of those teams that makes me want Ken Palm to do like the home and away numbers for all their ratings <laughs> instead of just like the overall ratings. Like, what is their offensive efficiency when they're at home versus their defensive efficiency when they're on the road? Because, um, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. When when Nebraska is playing at home, they are a top four team in this league. I mean, they beat Purdue at home. They just beat Northwestern at home, but then they go on the road, like you guys were talking about, and they have lost two teams on the road like and I'm not trying to say they're a bad team because I think they're a much improved team but they've lost to Minnesota on the road they just lost to I mean they blew a lead and lost to Rutgers on the road um, they lost got blown out by Iowa on the road after blowing out Purdue um, in their game so just a completely different team but I think Fred Hoiberg you know he saved his job at the end of last season and he's brought these players back and he's looking even better than he ever has at Nebraska. His offense is really is really looking nice, and um, I think Nebraska has earned themselves in the conversation of possibly being the fourth best team in the Big Ten. I still think it's probably Northwestern or Michigan State, one of those two, uh, but Nebraska has earned themselves in that conversation. Um, it just really depends on, you know, like we said, where are they playing at and stuff. Kent, you have a puzzled look on your face. Is there something I said you disagree with? Uh, you, I don't even want to tell you what I'm looking up right now. I want to save it till okay. the end of the show. <laughs> okay, all right. So it's nothing I said. You're just looking something. No, up. no, 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 no. Nothing at all. Sorry. Okay. Right. It, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it at the end. I promise. Okay, we'll get to the end. Um, I've been dreading this part the entire show, but um, Ohio State. I guess I shouldn't be dreading it because they did win. But uh, you know, they won seventy nine to sixty seven. That's nice. They beat a team that. <laughs> Yeah, they lost an 18-point lead on earlier this season. So um, this is the part of the show where I get depressed and talk about my team that, you know, is going to give me some false hope here because Evan Mahaffey decided to score, uh, even though he's not decided to score any other times this season. Um, and just this game, he's like, don't fire my coach, which I'm right there with you. I love Chris Holtman. I want him to be the coach, but things just aren't looking Looking good. They break the three-game losing streak. I don't know. I'm kind of going through it. Anthony, why don't you start talking about the game? Because I'm kind of not making very much sense. So I don't have a ton of notes, unfortunately, to bail you out. But I will say Penn State, um, as much as they were a get-wrong opponent for Ohio State earlier this season, they are a get-right type opponent if you're on a three-game skid, which Ohio State was. Um, so there's no better team to you know figure, figure yourself out against than Penn State, who themselves is, is a bit lost on both yeah. sides of the ball. Um, Roddy Gale does, you know, what he's been doing all season. He's a great bucket getter for you guys. Um, Mahaffey, former Penn State transfer, which is why he did what he did, right? You got him from Penn State. So that's, he, he, he bailed you guys out. Um, yep. it's, it's good to get back on, you know, in the win column, Ohio State. I think they have a little bit of, um, they, they really need to work on piecing it together, I guess. Um, I, I just, I think that they, they have opportunities in front of them to get good signature wins, but because they, they actually have one of the harder schedules ahead of them in the Big Ten. They still have to travel to Wisconsin. They get Purdue at home. They have to travel to Penn, uh, Michigan State. Um, they get Illinois at home. So they still have a lot of opportunities to get a signature win. Um, and and overall, they, they're a team that like the metrics seem to like pretty well. I think Torvik has them as 31, 32nd ranked defense, 45th ranked 
or 32nd rank offense, 45th rank defense. So they're like, they're a team that can do some interesting stuff, but just can they, can they be consistent, right? Really, they just, that three game skid showed a lot of stuff that was kind of a little bit, a little bit of an ugly side for them. So we'll, uh, we'll yeah. see what they can do. Yeah, I mean, these last four games, it's been the shooting. Um, you know, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale on this one from three point, you know, they go one for 10 in this one combined. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad they won without, you know, spectacular three point shooting or even average three point shooting. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's four games in a row where Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton just have not shot well from, from three point land. And, you know, early on in the season, I remember when IU wasn't shooting very well from three point land, they like started shooting less than 10, three pointers a game <laughs> altogether. And I was like, okay, that works for them. I would love to see Ohio state do this now. Uh, if you know, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale could combine shoot like less than four, three pointers. I think I might want to see that because at the end of the day, they're just, they're not, doing a very good shot job of shooting them. And even Dale Bonner in this one, the backup point guard for them, he went one for four from, from three point land. Like just let Jamison battle shoot three pointers and nobody else because Jamison battle can hit them. Nobody else can right now, you know, like get your confidence back, shoot four game and, you know, maybe make some, but at the end of the day, like it was, it was the Ohio state defense in this one that, that saved them. I mean, they locked down Kanye Clary, only 13 points for him. Nick Kern, he only had 12 points. Ace Baldwin, uh, he only had 10 points. But the big thing for them is they only let him have one steal. They didn't turn the ball over uh, like Ace Baldwin's been doing a lot this season. So, um, you know, I'm hoping this is some momentum for Ohio State. But when you start the game, what was it? I don't think Penn State scored for like the first seven minutes in this game. Yeah, they started the game on a 16-0 run. Um, on Penn State. So when you start the game on a 16-0 run, like you should win by double digits, and thankfully they did. But uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I actually didn't watch much of this game either. I apologize for that. But uh, with it being the last game, I'm. I, it doesn't seem like you're very excited about it either. But here's what I will say about this game, though. Penn State on Tuesday is the only team in the conference that has beaten Wisconsin and then they came out in their next game, and your Ohio State Buckeyes beat them. So you beat the team that beat the team. So basically, like right now, Ohio State is like the best team in the conference. Are you with me on this, JR? Um, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that completes the Big Ten circle of suck. If it, it does. It does. Is that the so, one that did uh, it? Was the Penn State win over Wisconsin? The Penn State win over Wisconsin was the one we were missing. Excellent. It was. That's what we wanted. Um, but yeah, good re- good revenge game for Ohio State. I ha- I feel like I have more confidence in Ohio State than you do right now, Jr. I feel like they're still a, a decent team. And uh, like Anthony was saying earlier, the Big Ten is kind of down this year. So this is a great year for them to just be okay and uh, pick up some wins here at the end of the year and still uh, make the NCAA tournament. After last year, you got to be you got to be excited about that after last year, I feel like. Well, I did something I should have done this week, and this is a problem for me in my life, and um, my my two buddies here that can uh, help me through my addiction here. Um, I went back and I watched like 2000 to 2010 Ohio State basketball highlights when they had like Greg Oden and Mike Conley and, you know, all those guys. Mark Titus. Yeah, Mark Titus. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Titus. He was a star <laughs> on the court. Um 
Yeah, I went back and I did that. Uh, you know, John Diebler, all those guys, and you know, basically the Thad Mata era is what I did. It wasn't even like 2000 to 2010, but basically the Thad Mata era. I went back and I watched highlights, and and I just got sad because I thought to myself, man, this is the Ohio State basketball era that that I loved and was awesome, and now it's just like. I watch this Ohio State team, and I like all of these players. I want them to do well. I like Chris Holtman. I want him to do well. But they don't do well. <laughs> they don't shoot well. Uh, Bruce Thornton, I'll give him credit. He didn't run around like with his head cut off this game like he did in the last one. You know, he had six assists in this one, only two turnovers. So, you know, props to him. But, I mean, Ohio State, they're just – they're not going to win if they don't start shooting better. I mean, they, they've lost – or they lost the three games before this because they had poor shooting. And thankfully, they played good enough defense against Penn State in this one that their their primary scorers couldn't, you know, go crazy and win the game for them. So, I don't know. I Am I am I wrong to leave Ohio State out of the conversation for the fourth best team in the conference? Hmm. I'm gonna say I don't no. think I'm wrong. I don't no. want to be mean, but no. Um, no, please be mean. Please be. Mean. I think they're an aspiring. It helps think, validate my feelings. I think <laughs> that I think that right now their expectation would be about a 500 team in conference play, right? I think if they get a 10 and 10 record, that's about what you would expect for this Ohio State team. Can they weasel out a couple extra wins and make their way up to 11 nine or 12 and eight? Maybe. Um, but top four team is it's that's tough. There's a lot of teams vying for that slot. But that's my thing. Like, will like will twenty and eleven get you into the tournament this year in the Big Ten? I think in the Big Ten past, yeah, but I don't think it will this year. I think you have to have an above five hundred record or at five if you have a sub five hundred record in Big Ten play, I don't think you get in the tournament this year. I don't think you can either. I think you're right. Um yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Ohio State's schedule right now. If you guys win your next game at Nebraska, I'm all in on the Buckeyes because no one wins at Nebraska. <laughs> Nobody. I had somebody tell me on uh, on Twitter, they were like, oh, they play at Nebraska next game. That should be an easy one. And I was like, you're not paying attention to the Big Ten this year, are you? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, no, Ken Palm has them losing their next four games. Um, and then I forget what it is after that. But, um, I mean... If I'm being honest, I'm looking at this here. They lost to Indiana at Indiana. I don't think it's likely that they lose to Indiana at home, but it could happen if Kalel Ware is back. That's a really tough matchup for Felix Akpara. Um, Maryland, they should beat Maryland at home, but I'm not going to say that they will because Mary Young's really, really good, and he could go off in that one. Uh, they're going to lose to Wisconsin at Wisconsin. They're going to lose to Purdue. Uh, they're going to lose at Michigan State. They might beat Minnesota at Minnesota. We'll see. I don't feel confident. In no, that they one. will. They will. I, I don't feel confident. In this Minnesota's one. going downhill fast. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'll take your word for it and give me some hope. Um, I mean, I look at this and the for sure wins that I see on the schedule are at Rutgers. They should win, but that's also the rack. So, you know, who knows? I look at Michigan at home against Michigan. They just lost at Michigan. So I don't know. I, I don't see any guarantee wins on the rest of that schedule on the schedule. And that scares me. So guaranteed wins. I mean, for sure, Michigan coming to town, that's a win. And I would say Minnesota and I would say Indiana at home. Those are three, at least. I don't know. Can't give you much else than that. 
You're more optimistic than me. Anthony, you be the decider. Do you see any guaranteed wins here? Hope he's on mute. Oh, you're muted, Anthony. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I said let me let me pull up their schedule. Um, I was crunching some numbers for Nebraska home and away just to uh, satisfy you here. Um, yeah, <laughs> Michigan at home. Um, Maryland at home is they're, they're pretty bad on the road. Um, that would be. Yeah, those are really the only two guaranteed ones. Other ones, other ones, they're certainly you know going to be sixty forty. But the the ones that you really think you're gonna you're gonna clean out that would be those two. Yeah. So. Oh man! Well, we have our most viewers uh, right now topping thirty. Let's go. So thank you uh, for tuning in for my depressing Ohio State talk. Um, I think maybe the the viewers just like to see me be depressed. That's okay. You can see me be depressed. Um, any thoughts on Penn State before we get out of here, guys? Is there anything to talk about with them? I, you know, Kanye Clary is good, but he wasn't good in this game. Ace Baldwin's good, but he wasn't good in this game. Anything? No, Penn State stinks. Amen. What do you want me to say? I mean, they stink. <laughs> I agree. I'm trying to look for something, but I can't find anything either. Anthony, any I, I got this for you. This is what I was saving for you, JR. Chicago okay, State, Chicago State, two days ago, beat. The University of East West. That's a real college in Chicago. Uh, I looked it up. It's on uh, Michigan Ave. It's right off Michigan Ave here in not here in Chicago. I don't live in Chicago, but in Chicago, uh, the University of East West. They beat them one thirty-one to fifty-five. Smacked their buns the other night. Chicago State is legit. Put some respect on their name. Watch out. Chicago State's, I think they're the only independent team in college basketball. Uh, East go. West is independent. Chicago State. No, Chicago uh, East West is? Yeah, I just, I, no, I was Chicago reading State way West. too much about them as you were talking earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. The University of East West, which is like just the funniest name of a university to begin with. That has, that like sounds like a, a made up. I think the University of East West has to be talking about the current Big Ten as it stands today after realignment. (laughs) Yeah. True. True. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm rereading this. East West University is a member of the CAA. I'm sorry. Oh, as an independent. As an independent, though. CAA. They're like Notre Dame kind of in the ACC. Oh, yeah. But way better. That's the difference. East yeah, West is way be. better than them. We've gone off the rails. <laughs> we have. We have. Independence. On my CBS Sports app, the only independent I see is Chicago State. Uh, I don't think East West is even like a D1 school, though. That may be why. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. <laughs> yeah, that would be why. Have you ever heard of them before? No, I've never heard of them. It sounds like it's <laughs> something they'd be on a Dr. Pepper commercial. Yeah. Uh. Thank you, Anthony. You've done the Lord's work here. So I threw out some adjusted. This is this is per Bart Torvik. Um, okay. I just averaged out the offensive numbers versus defensive numbers at home versus away in Big Ten play, and it is stark. Particularly the defense. Um, honestly, both wow. of them. You're looking at defense. Well, you know, sub sub ninety ten, numbers. Yeah, ten point differential in both. Wow. That is crazy. And this is conference play only? This is in conference play only. They are just okay. 
it's nine day and they're 12 and one at home on the year, I think. So it's, wow. it's Pinnacle Bank Arena. Tough there place to go. go would, that's another Big Ten arena that's really hard to play at. Great. Just what I need where my Ohio <laughs> State has the worst home arena. I don't want to say there's no chance, but I, the numbers don't back it up. No, they do not. They do. Okay, now do Ohio State's numbers. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll tweet them out if you want. If anybody else wants me to run home and away numbers for your Big Ten team, I will do that. Okay, here we go. Anthony, the statistician. I love it. I love it. So, all right. Well, uh, we've gone off the rails. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, Kent. Kent, you're looking at something. Is there anything else you want to mention before uh, we here? I just... <laughs> Uh, I don't even know if you want me to say this. I was just going to say that uh, the University of East West is two blocks away from my favorite pizza place in Chicago, Lou Malnati's. Best pizza in Chicago. Uh, Lou Malnati's. It's it's two blocks away. So if anyone ever wants to go to an East West University basketball game with me, I will buy the pizza. You buy the tickets. I'm in. Whoever wants to go. Melnati's is the third best deep dish pizza joint in Chicago. Fight me. I got to go. <laughs> As a Chicagoan. <laughs> At least it's time three. At least I'm not that off. I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get roasted afterwards for saying that, but there are, there are two joints that are better than, than Lou Melnati's. Well, you have to tell us now before we go, JR, let him finish oh. this and then we can go. Pequans. Yeah. Pequans is good. Pequod, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I like that one too. Totally underrated. Yeah, and, and I actually, I am a, I am a Giordano's over Lumelnati's. Um, Gino's, their crust is weird. Otherwise, Gino's toppings are really, really. Gino's has a good filling, but there, there you go. I'll put Gino's below Lumelnati's. Okay, that's fair. I haven't had that second one that you said ever, but Giordano's? I don't know Chicago. What? Yeah, yeah, I haven't had that one. It's kind of like it's, it's a little. It's filling isn't as good as Gino's, but it's crust is way better. So anyway, sorry, again, off the rails, but if you need any local deep dish recommendations, yeah, Pequod's, that would be, it's a little hard to get to, but it's good though. You're right. That is, at least I recognize the, recognize the true, the true goat of deep dish pizza is good. There's not really tickets on sale for East West games. (laughs) It's a quarter side for a hundred bucks. Imagine my shock. I think that's a walk-in oh. situation. <laughs> East West Phantoms. Is it the Phantoms? Is that the name of the? It, you got more info than I did already. East West Phantoms men basketball tickets under it. Bummer. No events happening. So <laughs> maybe oh, they're not even brutal. fielding a basketball team. Oh, here we go. Uh, for the current season, it is oh, yeah, the thirteen thirteen dollars for courtside tickets. Let's go, dude. Let's go sit courtside. <laughs> Get some lose. Go sit courtside. This is this is shaping up for a weekend, man. Let's make a trip. There we go. I'm really uh, impressed with anybody who's hung around with us for this long. Thank you to all of you who are still listening. <laughs> we have still have 25 viewers on YouTube. I don't wow. know what they're doing. You guys need to get a hobby. <laughs> they were sticking around for the pizza recommendations for right. sure. They actually just fell asleep while they were watching. Us. Come for the yeah. They, 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 they forgot to click out their browser. <laughs> We're still 25 strong. We're referencing it. We're still 25 strong. Uh, Yeah, so um, that's the next podcast. Kent and I will be going courtside to East West. Anthony, you're welcome to join us. And, uh, you know, we can paste many different pizza places together. I'm all for it. If you guys are buying the pizza, I'll buy the courtside tickets. No one on the internet's ever done that. We should go to a pizza place and just take one bite of stuff and then rate it. Like, no one's ever done that on the internet. Yeah, no, that's never happened before. No. 
We should do that. It's unfortunately oh, a saturated man. market. Oh, <laughs> uh, we lost one viewer. Twenty-four. Dang it! It was the day port. No, I, I knew it. I knew it. Going down. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching. Even if you fell asleep, thank you for watching. Thank you to Anthony and Kent for coming on. Appreciate you guys. I need to get a drink because I'm losing my voice. Have a great night. Thanks, Jer.